If you have ever searched for a resource with answers about the Catholic enrollment process after having gone through a painful divorce or after witnessing a friend or family member experience a divorce, this letter is for you. While you definitely want the technical answers to questions about the process, what you may be craving even more is the heartaching answers to questions like, how did this happen to me? How could God allow this to happen to my marriage? Am I still loved in the Catholic Church? And how do I move on from here? These are important questions and you deserve honest answers. Join me in today's conversation as we discuss the Catholic enrollment process with a woman who has been there. She walks us through the process of what an enrollment is and tells us what it isn't and takes a close look at the recent changes to the process that were made by Pope Francis. Jesus wants to heal you throughout this process, sister, and he wants to bring triumph out of pain. Today's episode of Letters to Women is sponsored by the Catholic Mom Bundle, an ebook bundle chock full of great resources for Catholic moms and families this summer. Head over to catholicmombundle.com to check out this incredible resources that is being offered at 88% off. We are welcoming to the show Lisa Duffy today. She is a Catholic author, speaker, and a divorce recovery expert. She experienced the results of an unwanted divorce in the early 1990s. And so we're having her on the show today to talk about the process of Catholic annulments. It's a subject that's kind of squishy. It has a lot of confusion surrounding it. So I'm excited to welcome Lisa on the show to to kind of share her experience, but also to clear up some myths around the process of a Catholic annulment. So welcome to the show, Lisa. Thanks for coming on. Hey, Chloe, thank you so much for having me. And I, I really have to say, I like the term squishy. <laughs> I think that that was used well, because this whole scenario, all, all these issues uh, surrounding divorce and annulment are squishy. They mm-hmm. are um, fluid. They are unique um, to a particular person. And um, there is a lot of misunderstanding. So I thought that was very aptly put. Oh, thank you. Before we dive into the topic of squishy annulments, um, this is something that you've experienced yourself. And I think this aspect of your, you have a new book, Mending the Heart, A Catholic Annulment Companion. And I think something that resonated with me while reading this was that it's very personal. You've been through this, you know, the pain of a divorce and of the process of an annulment. So for those who haven't encountered you, can you share a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman? Sure, absolutely. Um, Well, I married, um, I got married in 1990. And um, I married for life. I was raised a traditional conservative Catholic. Mm-hmm. I'm from a big Spanish-Irish family. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got relatives everywhere. And um, I have five brothers and two sisters. And my parents instilled in me the um, understanding that marriage is permanent. Mm-hmm. So when this actually happened to me, uh, I, I was shocked and appalled beyond words. There's really are no words that could describe that. Um, and I did fight for the marriage. I did ask for reconciliation after the separation had begun, but it was just a done deal. Unfortunately, the the Mm -hmm. state laws, you know, say that if one person wants it, it's a done deal. So, so I found myself very unwillingly a divorced Catholic. And up to that point, um, I had lost three children in miscarriage, mm-hmm. and um, I had <clears throat> gone through, undergone um, invasive surgery to correct the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the end, even though the, the problem itself was corrected, the uh, surgery itself was so invasive that um, it sterilized me. So oh I um, was told that I had less than a 1% chance of ever conceiving a child. Mm. Um, and so... I suddenly was um, the contradiction 
to everything I had been brought up to believe. I was childless. I had no hope of having children. I was divorced, and I was Catholic. Mm. And it was a pretty um, disparaging set of circumstances in, in my mind. And I was very angry uh, for a long time. I was angry with God. Um, I couldn't understand why he had allowed this to happen to me, you know. Yeah. Such a great Catholic, of course, you know. <laughs> um, you know how we get that sort of self-righteous attitude. Mm -hmm. Lord, what, really? What's this about? Yep. But um, I just, uh, I was really angry. I found it very hard to reconcile being both divorced and Catholic. So um, I sort of went forward seeking healing in the world, um, made a ton of mistakes and bad choices, and came to the point about two and a half years later where I realized one morning as I was getting ready for work and I couldn't look myself in the eye in the mirror because I had wandered so far away from who I knew I was meant to be mm. that I just uh, sort of broke down and, and prayed that God, you know, God, please forgive me. Don't give up on me. Mm -hmm. I, I, I want to be the person that you made me to be. And so I knew at that moment I had to make some drastic changes in my life, which I did. One of them, uh, the first one was uh, making a general confession, and um, that was an extremely healing experience for me. For anyone who is not familiar with the general confession, it's um, when you make an appointment with the priest and you confess a significant portion of your life, which I did from the time my husband left to that day. Wow. It's not something you want to go um, stand in line on Saturday yeah. <laughs> and do, because there will be a lot of angry people. Um, but um, it was an extremely healing experience, and it set me back on the right path. I had never stopped going to Mass. I had never stopped um, doing what I knew I needed to do to remain Catholic, but it was a very broken relationship between God and I, and that confession fixed, fixed it in, in my mind, mm -hmm. um, because I realized that God was still present in my life. God, God's mercy was, you know, unfathomable. Yeah. So, um, it was at that point I decided to go through the annulment process and, uh, it was long, it was painful, it was arduous. There's no question. Some of the reason or part of the reason why it was long is because I dragged my feet with the paperwork, mm -hmm. uh, for quite a few months. Um, I'd say probably six or seven months. It was just hard to get through. Yeah. So, um, but I did go through it, um, and I did uh, find that in the waiting period, that leaving the decision in God's hands was the best thing that I could do, because um, it helped me remain sane. You know, there's always the fear of the unknown. What if? What if? What if? Mm -hmm. um, but leaving the decision in God's hands uh, gave me peace, gave me sanity, and in the end, um, the answer was that I had not had. A valid marriage um, to begin with and so I was free to marry and for you know for me I felt called to be married uh, you know we have a vocation in life that's God-given and um, it wasn't like I was out there you know spying who's the next you know who's the next guy in my life mm -hmm. it wasn't that way at all I just felt called to be a wife I felt called to marriage so I was you know very happy that I had this new direction um, several years later, I met the man that I'm married to today, mm -hmm. Jim Duffy. We are celebrating 18 years of marriage this month. Oh, congratulations. So yeah. And despite what the doctors told me, we have three healthy, beautiful children. 
That's um, beautiful. So grateful that God gave me a, a new chance to live out my vocation. Um, yeah, I mean, we had no assistance in having the children, which is great. Um, when I was pregnant with my first child, Christina, who is now 17, um, the doctor said to me, she said, you do realize this is a miracle because someone with your history should not be pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I said, I know. And, and so to kind of bring it all together, bring it full circle, this is why I do anything that I do in regard to reaching out to divorced, separated divorced Catholics. It's because God has blessed me so greatly and I know he doesn't want it to want to do it just for me. I know the depths of suffering that people go through. And I want to bring them a message of hope. Mm-hmm. I want to bring them a message of healing, God's mercy, God's never-ending love. Because it's so important. There's so many people suffering, uh, you know, uh, alone. Yeah. They, they feel very alone. So that's my story. And that's why I do what I do. That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, how amazing it is just to see God's healing in your life. And like you said, like he brought it full circle and, and the healing that he brought in, in a marriage and for your fertility. And that's incredible. Thanks for sharing that. Sure. Before we dig in more into the annulment process, we, we mentioned that annulments are really squishy. And I think part of that comes from the fact that we don't know our terms um, as Catholics. And, and there's a lot of myths surrounding what an annulment is. So can you p- explain a little bit about what an annulment is? And probably more importantly, what an annulment isn't? I think I will start with what an annulment is not. Sure. Um, it is not a moneymaker for the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 2015, Pope Francis rolled out a lot of administrative changes to the process um, that he was asking all the bishops to embrace and incorporate. Um, and he, he also made a caveat, you know, he knows that not everyone, not every uh, tribunal situation is the same. So please take these changes and incorporate them as much as possible was mm-hmm. his you know, request. And one of those was, please make the process free. Um, and again, it's not possible for some of the smaller tribunals who don't have a lot of money. Um, they need to keep the lights on. They need to pay their workers. And so they will charge a nominal fee. But by and large, the annulment process is free or next to free. Um, and I think that that was a very merciful thing to do because I know in my uh, own position, when I went through it, the the um, cost was $600 and I was working two jobs and mm. I was not making a ton of money. So that was hard. Yeah. Um, so that was a, a really merciful thing, I think, that uh, Pope Francis did. Um, the other thing is the annulment process does not dissolve valid uh, wedding vows, it does not um, annihilate or you know delete or anything mm-hmm. that um, people think that it does. All it does is determine whether or not there was a valid marriage bond, a, a valid marriage brought into being on the day of the wedding. Either it did happen or it didn't. Mm-hmm. And that's all they're doing. And it breaks my heart so many times to see uh, or to hear people say, and I've heard it many times, people say, you know, I, I just don't believe in the annulment process because I took my vows seriously and they can't take that away from me. Mm-hmm. And I understand that sentiment, but they're not, the church is not trying to take away or dissolve or, um, you know, 
do away with anything that is valid. Mm -hmm. They're just trying to figure out whether it was valid from the beginning or not. And that makes a ton of difference. If, if someone can just, you know, reflect on that for a little bit and see that that's what's actually going on, I think that there would be a lot more um, openness to this tool <laughs> that the church provides. This is a valid tool for healing and for, you know, understanding the past and, and finding out your new direction in life. So, um, that's something that it is not. Um, it also is not a get out of jail free card. Yep. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people who have not been through a divorce and praise God that there are people who haven't been through a divorce. Yeah. I, I never want to see divorce be made normal or, uh, acceptable because it's not. Um, but I think that if you haven't been through this devastating experience, um, you, it's hard to really kind of um, understand what happens. And I think a lot of people who have not been through the uh, divorce experience tend to assume that the annulment is just a ticket out, mm -hmm. you know, and into a new relationship. But it's really not. I mean, I think that Yes, there are some abuses, and it's not largely by the clergy. I think a lot of um, insincere people approach the annulment process with mm -hmm. that frame of mind. But by and large, this is a tool, like I, I mentioned earlier, for understanding, for being able to come face-to-face -face with the past, acknowledging your mistakes, because no matter what happened, um, as I had to accept in my case, um, I wasn't a perfect spouse. I was a faithful spouse, mm -hmm. and um, I had fought for the marriage, but I wasn't perfect. So I contributed to the loss of my marriage. Mm -hmm. um, so the the annulment process enables you to really sort of take a hard look at the truth and yeah. learn from it and gain wisdom and strength from it. Um, and it also helps you lay that chapter of your life to rest. You can make peace with it, lay it to rest, and set it aside so you can move forward with clarity and uh, confidence in your new direction. I love looking at the annulments as like, this is an aspect of healing after the process of a divorce. Like it's not, it's something that the people can go through and there's a healing aspect to it, which is really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I think that the people who do kind of uh, view it as, okay, um, I need to do this so I can get this piece of paper, so I can get married already, hurry, hurry, hurry. They miss out. They truly miss out on that beautiful healing aspect. And it, it's really um, a shame that people kind of rush into other relationships without having that, you know, yeah. that sort of settlement. Yeah. We're taking a quick break for a word from our sponsor, this episode of the Catholic Mom Bundle. Summer is a fun time for kids, but for moms, the lack of school often means a total lack of structure and direction. Find new direction by focusing on what really matters. The all-digital Catholic Mom Bundle is loaded with resources for moms' emotional health, family fun, happy homes, and spiritual growth. By working together, the contributors of the Catholic Mom Bundle were able to offer this limited-time deal at 88% off, which is a steal. Explore the huge variety of ebooks, including a Catholic Mass Journal for Kids, a 31-day retreat in Proverbs for your marriage, and a printable planner page pack over at www.catholicmombundle.com. Hurry, this deal is only around for a limited time. 
when when we're talking about the annulment process for listeners who haven't been through that or who are wondering about it for their own um, for their own healing after a divorce, can you give us a quick walkthrough of like what that process looks like um, from from looking into an annulment to receiving an annulment and what that what that process looks like as a whole? Sure. Well, I, I really truly believe that it begins with prayer because mm-hmm. um, there are a lot of people who are sort of sitting on the fence. They they are not they're kind of intimidated by the idea and they um, by the idea of the annulment process and they feel like they really married for life and so they're kind of uh, it's a disarray um, of organization of thoughts and mm-hmm. they really want to kind of go into it with some clarity. So I say pray about it first. You know, are you, do you feel that you're still called to marriage as I know I was? Mm-hmm. Well, there's something that um, might lead you toward the annulment process. Um, do you feel like you'd be fine living the rest of your life as a single parent or, you know, just a, a single strong person out there in society? Um, it's different for every person. So I say begin with prayer. Then the next step is go speak to your pastor mm-hmm. and and tell your pastor your circumstances and the, the situation and um, let them let that person guide you most likely they will guide you to the tribunal where you can file um, a petition for the process and there are um, every tribunal is different so there's no uniform process throughout the United States or throughout you know everywhere yeah um but they're similar they're very similar and so what you can pretty much expect is you would fill out some initial paperwork that does have uh some pointed questions but it's a a maybe two or three page uh process there and then um you would submit that and then they would say okay we're going to go ahead after reviewing this we're going to go ahead and put this into process so then you would select, again, this varies um, diocese by diocese, but you would select three or four witnesses, mm-hmm. and those witnesses should be someone or a couple um, who has been with you, who has known you and your spouse, who has witnessed your marriage, who knew you um, before you got married. That's the best, um, you know, the best uh, quality to have, yeah. but it's not entirely necessary. But people who know you and people who witnessed your marriage, and you, they will receive a brief questionnaire asking certain questions that they will submit to the tribunal. Mm-hmm. You will also, in turn, receive a longer questionnaire. That number of questions will vary, but what is the same across the board is it's an investigation into your dating, engagement, and marriage period. Um, with special emphasis on the day of the wedding. So no matter how many questions you have or what they're asking, it's a fact-finding mission. Mm -hmm. And um, what they're asking is that you give essay answers to these questions, not a couple sentences here and there, because the people who are deciding your future want as much information as possible. So they need the biggest picture that they can create. Um, They need all the detail you can spare. Mm -hmm. Um, So then you fill out the questionnaire. Um, A lot of dioceses offer um, a case assistant. Sometimes they're called, um, well, we'll just say case assistant because that's probably the most typical. Mm -hmm. And that's someone that you meet with, um, someone from your parish. 
and you meet with and go over the questionnaire, um, go over the grounds. Um, they're sort of like a mentor. But then all these uh, paperwork is submitted, and then you have a waiting period, and that is when the tribunal is discussing your case and debating your case. There are two or three uh, canon lawyers who are looking at, is sort of like um, a friend of mine, Jackie uh, Rapp. She's a canon lawyer up in Kentucky. She's mm -hmm. uh, amazing. And she says she equates this part to the, the Pinto theory or the Pinto factor. Everybody remembers um, Pintos back in the 1970s that they would explode on impact. Yeah. Um, so they're, that's their, these two or three canon lawyers, that's their mission is to find the point of impact. What happened? What caused this thing to blow up? What mm -hmm. caused this marriage to fail? Um, so that's what they do. But then there's the defender of the bond. And the defender of the bond is the devil's advocate. He's trying to see, um, it, he's trying to find out if this marriage was really valid. So it's a very nice balance, a very uh, yeah. nice checks and balances sort of system um, that I think uh, gives me a lot of comfort because, again, they're deciding your future and yeah. you really want it to be the right decision. So um, then they will return um, a letter in the first instance. And I, sh I shouldn't say first instance because back when I went through this, you had the letter of the first instance which said, this is what the decision is of this tribunal, but we're going to send it to um, the diocese, diocesan office, um, and we're going to let the bishop decide. That second instance is no longer required. Okay. It's not done away with. It's just not required anymore. And that was due to Pope Francis, um, his changes. So, but um, that letter in the second instance now, which is the first instance, tells you you either did or did not have a valid marriage. If you did not have a valid marriage, it will list the grounds, mm -hmm. uh, the canon law that um, they came to that decision uh, under. And um, that is what, that piece of paper is what we call a decree of invalidity or an annulment. Mm -hmm. um, but you could, you may also receive a letter that says you did have a valid marriage after all and you are bound to your ex-spouse until death. Wow. Yeah, it's a, it's a heady process. And, yeah. um it's it's something that should not be taken lightly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, you mentioned the the length of your annulment process was a little bit lengthier because of the process of filling out that questionnaire. I can only imagine, holy smokes, like having to go through the history of your relationship and talk about it and being able to to process that or having to process that again when it, it may be something that you would have locked away and not wanted to worry about again. So yeah, entering with prayer and framing that process with prayer is such an important factor. And you know... You bring up something very important, um, that the process is very difficult to go through, but that is exactly where the healing is, because you've locked it away, and you're describing me. Mm -hmm. I received that questionnaire in the mail, and I flipped through it, and I went, uh, I'm not ready for this. Yep. And I put it aside for a couple of weeks uh, until I did feel I could handle that. But it, it does cause you to revisit painful memories, um, but you face them. It's like facing someone that you've been arguing with or, or angry with 
and you finally sit down and have a conversation and you make peace. Yeah. It's, it's very much the same uh, as um, you've been battling this adversary, you've been avoiding it, you've been uh, just, you don't want to deal with it. And finally, when you can come face to face with that person and sit down and say, well, this is what I thought and this is what really happened, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very healing. It, 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 it's painful, but you know, that seems to be God's way of, yeah. you know, tempering us and, and perfecting us is through that suffering. Yep. So, um, yes, it's, that was a good point that you brought up. Oh, thanks. Um, another thing we're talking about this process of the annulments and how there can be a lot of hesitancies going into it, whether it's hesitancies because you don't want to bring up past thoughts and, and want to keep those locked away. Another thing for Catholics who are going through an annulment process and they have children here on earth, there's a, sometimes a fear that if they go through an annulment, if their if their marriage is pronounced with that that certificate of in, invalidity, that that will make their children illegitimate. And that can kind of stop them from going through the annulment process because they don't want their children to be considered illegitimate. So can, so can you talk about the reality of what parenting and children, what that looks like when it comes to the annulment process? Yes, absolutely. That's a very important aspect. And yes, something that um, more people than I ever thought do struggle with. Mm-hmm. Um, but canon law is very clear about this. Um, canon 1137 states that children conceived or born of a valid or putative marriage are legitimate. Um, and putative just means um, the marriage was assumed to be valid and was later proven otherwise by the annulment process. Mm-hmm. So there is, it, for anyone who is worried about this, please rest assured the church does not declare your children illegitimate if indeed you receive a declaration of invalidity in the annulment process. Uh, children are always a gift. Um, and, you know, you, I think what's important to say is, so you receive this piece of paper that says you never had a valid marriage bond. Mm-hmm. But what that is saying is that in the eyes of God, you did not have an indissoluble covenant mm-hmm. with him. Mm-hmm. You, your spouse, and God, which is, you know, the triangle. It's the reflection of the Trinity. That's right. what marriage is, the sacrament of marriage. So it was never that in the eyes of God. But it doesn't mean that you didn't, um, you weren't sincere about taking your vows, or you didn't take them in good faith, or you didn't intend to remain marriage, married. And it also doesn't mean that your marriage relationship never existed. A lot of people, along with the uh, illegitimate children issue kind of connect this like the church is saying that this never existed no way mm. um, no you lived a, um, a married life in society uh, witnessed by everyone mm-hmm. so the church does not deny or ignore that um, it's just that spiritual aspect that um, reflection of the trinity was it an indissoluble bond or covenant with God yes or no it was or it wasn't right Right. Yeah, that's a really balanced way of looking at it. And yeah, having the backup of canon law, and this is how the church views it, is is a comfort for those who are who are thinking about going through the process. For listeners who who have gone through a divorce and they're now civilly remarried, but they haven't been through the annulment process, what advice or thoughts would you offer to date for those Catholics? And how do you address their concerns about the Catholics? church's standard for marriage and how they feel alone or they feel like second-class citizens. You use that phrase in your book because of their relationship with the church. Well, I want to thank you for asking this question because it's very important. And um, 
there are so many angles I could approach this from because it is a, a complex matter. Yeah. Um, first of all, um, every couple is unique. I have been um, serving the divorced Catholic community for almost 20 years. And the one thing that I have, that I know without a doubt is um, no circumstances are the same. You may have two people who were both abandoned by their spouses um, due to infidelity. Mm -hmm. But I can guarantee you that is the only similarity in their cases, which is why um, annulments are on a case-by-case. -case. There's no blanket anything. You have to deal with people on a case-by-case -case basis. Now, I know that a lot of people um, are unaware of the mandates regarding divorce and remarriage in as a Catholic. Mm -hmm. um, I know that some people, uh, so we have that kind of section of people or that faction of people who just were totally unaware. Yeah. And then they feel called to come back to the church and suddenly they're like, I can't come back. Oh, What's that about? Yeah. Um, we have other, you know, people who go through this devastation of divorce. Um, they are, you know, practicing Catholics and faithful Catholics, but they're, um, the level of disappointment when your marriage fails is so deep. It's hard to fathom if you haven't been there. But I think that certain people are left with such deep disappointment. You know, my marriage was supposed to last forever. Why, why am I here? Why mm -hmm. am I divorced? This is, I'm a Catholic and this can't happen to me. Yeah. Then I think that they sort of lower their standards. You know, well, if this didn't last, yeah. why am I, why am I even doing this? Why mm -hmm. am I even subscribing to this Catholic faith? And then they just go and they, they want to be happy. They find someone else that they're happy with. They get married outside the church. But then inevitably, of course, the Holy Spirit is calling them back. Yeah. And they find themselves in the same predicament. I, I can't receive. Mm -hmm. I can't come back. Um, fully, anyway. They're mm -hmm. always welcome at Mass. Right. Um, so I, I think what I'd like those people in those situations to understand is something that's very important. First of all, the church's parameters are like a fence on a playground. If you have a, a school playground on a busy, at a busy, busy intersection with no fence, that's a recipe for disaster. True? Mm -hmm. I mean, all it takes is one kid to run out into the street. That's why there are parameters, there are fences to keep the children safe, to keep the drivers out of problem, you know, problem situations to keep everyone happy. Mm -hmm. And that is very much the same way the church, the teachings of the church are. And so they're not trying to say, you know, don't go get remarried because we don't want you to be happy. They're trying to say, we want you to be happy. Go abide by, you know, uh, live your life within the, the parameters of these teachings and you will be happy. Right. And it's true because if you live your life within those parameters of the teachings of marriage and divorce, you won't find yourself outside the fence not being able to get in, Right. Um, to kind of put it simply. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that's so important is the church is not trying to, te uh, to treat um, civilly remarried divorced Catholics as second-class citizens. It's not that at all. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you why. Because I, as a married woman, 
if I commit a mortal sin, I cannot receive communion. Right. I'm I'm not allowed to approach the altar and and receive. Um, any a, a nun, a priest, a single person, it doesn't matter what your state in life is. If you have committed a mortal sin that is goes unconfessed, you may not receive. And so, in this sense, a separated or I mean, I'm sorry, a divorced and civilly remarried Catholic is no different than me as a married woman who's committed mortal sin, or the single person, or the priest, or the nun. Mm-hmm. It's all the same. So. It shouldn't be looked at as, um, oh, you know, they're pushing me out and making me feel terrible for wanting to be happy in a new relationship. No, not at all. (laughs) It's just that, you know, we don't want to eat and drink condemnation on ourselves, as Scripture tells us. Right. So it's just so important for people to understand. It's not, um, it's not, uh, the church is is trying to help you. Mm -hmm. It's, It's a medicinal procedure, trying to help you find a way to rectify your situation so you can receive the sacraments, just the same as they would for anyone else. Yeah, yeah. I that makes sense. Yeah, I love how that that comparison between any person in any state of life in the state of a mortal sin isn't supposed to, yeah, like take, take the Eucharist and, and commit another mortal sin on top of that one. And that's the same standard for people who are divorced and civilly remarried. And yeah, just, it's not something where we're pushing them aside. Like, you know, you're too messy for us. We don't want you. You're imperfect. No, we're all messy and imperfect. And we all are mm-hmm. called to, all are called to holiness. It's something, it's a universal call as, as human beings. So yeah, that was a great point. I loved that. Um, you. you make this great point in your book. I think this is something that really resonated with me. Uh, you call this the elephant in the room, and I think that's such a good way to put it. You say when you when you begin to answer the annulment questionnaire, wouldn't it may have made more sense to an- answer those questions about things like family of origin, your childhood, your personality before you you were married? And for listeners who are discerning marriage, so they're approaching the altar with their fiance, how can they dive into those questions before they even reach the altar? Yes. <laughs> This is um, this is something that I think is very important to ask, um, and I'm not going to knock anyone who's involved with the marriage prep program because I think that there are a lot of very good people who are uh, working to improve um, marriage prep. Mm-hmm. Um, they are knocking themselves out offering marriage prep, um, and I think that um, you know there are a lot of people, good people out there, trying to impress upon newly you know engaged couples what they're getting into yeah but um i i really did have that experience um going through the questionnaire i really felt sort of appalled that um no one had really talked to me about well look at his family and and what kind of marriage did his parents have and what kind of upbringing did he have and um it none of that was in there now keeping in mind that I got married in 1990, so this was in the late 80s that mm-hmm. we went through the marriage prep, and I'm sure it's drastically changed since then. At least I hope it has, because yeah. uh, our marriage prep was sorely lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that um, if people sort of, if couples sort of stepped back and really focused on how, you know, how they were brought up, what um, vision or model of marriage did their parents give them? Um, even in just those two things, that would so be such a help to understanding what marriage is about. Because you know, um, 
there is no perfect marriage. Right. And, and you can have, you can be with couples who just look like everything is perfect. I, I know a lot of couples that I admire because it looks like everything is perfect. But I know because I'm married and I've been remarried for 18 years that uh, you can be very happy together, but you're both sinners. So right. there's going to be struggles, you know. Right. Um, and not only that, but there are money problems and there are other temptations outside the house. And, you know, so the thing is, you have to understand going into it why you're going to stick with that person the morning you wake up and you go, wow, I don't, I, I didn't sign up for this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When actually you did sign up for right. it. Right, right. And if, if this is repulsive to you, then you need to find a way to love that person. Yeah. So I, it's, I'm kind of wandering off course, but um, it's, it's more helpful to sort of step back from all the, the emotions of love and the excitement of getting married, which should be there, mm-hmm. but kind of step back for, from it and say, okay, how well are we suited for each other? You know, does this person come from um, a, a, a legacy of divorce? I like to put sometimes because oftentimes there has been uh, generations of divorce in that family. Okay, so if so, it doesn't mean that that person is wrong for you. It just means we need to really focus on what it means to stick together, why we would stick together, why, you know. Um, I, I really hate to say this, but I could go on for hours on this. But... Um, <laughs> It's just it's just so important to really have a well-rounded idea of who you are marrying. Yep. And what they've been through, what you've been through and address any issues that may arise from that. Mm-hmm. I remember going to our first marriage retreat. My husband and I have been married for almost a year and a half, so we're just getting started, but we went to a marriage retreat about 10 months into our marriage. And there was an emphasis on on family of origin when we started our engagement process and our marriage prep. But it wasn't until we got into this um, marriage retreat here in the Kansas City area that we dived so much deeper into it. And it was like an, a, like a new awareness, like, aha, that's why I act like that, because this went down in my in my family of origin. Or that makes sense why your reaction to the situation is this, because that's how your parents reacted. And so just a general awareness of your environment affects you. And it's so easy to think like, no, I'm I'm not a product of my parents' marriage. Like I can be completely different. And yes, absolutely. But there is a, an effect on how we grew up and in, in the family of origin that we come from. So I think just an awareness of the fact that you bring things into your marriage from your family of origin. And that's not necessarily, it's not like, like a good or bad thing, but it's just something to be aware of. Yes, very mm-hmm. well put. It's something to understand and be aware of. So when it does show up in the wrong situation, you understand, okay, I don't have to go down that road right. necessarily. Right. Yeah. Amen. Amen. For listeners who are listening, maybe they are not themselves going through an annulment process, but maybe they know someone who is in the future, they'll know someone who is. What are some practical ways that friends or family members of those going through the annulment process can help in that situation? Um, <clears throat> I definitely appreciate that question. I was at a, um, I was giving a, a series of talks in the Diocese of Kansas City, Missouri mm-hmm. recently, and um, even there, um, there was um, people in the audience who were family members. Um, they weren't divorced. They were happily married, but they wanted to know how to help. Yeah. Um, and this is um, a very important issue. I think a lot of people feel that they are at a loss. They don't know how to help, yeah. um, but they want to. So I... I would have to say that the first and best thing that you can do, again, is to pray. Mm-hmm. Prayer is powerful. 
And um, oftentimes when you feel like you have no power over the situation, and it's a terrible place to be. Yeah. Um, you know, these people in, in the audience in you know, at my last talk, they just felt like lame ducks. They, mm. they knew that their relative was hurting and hurting terribly. They saw terrible things going on with the kids, and they just were shut out, and they couldn't help. So yeah. prayer, for sure. The rosary, whatever, novenas, whatever you feel um, you're up to is great to start with. But, um, you know, a lot of people equate divorce with death. Mm-hmm. And when someone dies, the surviving spouse is often just overwhelmed with flowers and sympathy cards and meals and visits and all those things. And those are good things and they should take place. But someone who loses their spouse through divorce rarely, if ever, receives that kind of attention, even though they are going through extreme loss, extreme pain, the same way someone who has lost their spouse through death has or is. So I, you know, I'd say oftentimes the greatest gift, aside from prayer that you can give someone who's suffering like that is your presence in their life. And your ear, your listening, compassionate ear, you don't have to have pearls of wisdom. You don't have to have an answer for everything. And oftentimes, that's not what they're looking for. They want to be heard. They want someone to know how badly they're suffering. And they want a hug. They want to know that if they are up at 3 a.m. and they're losing their minds, that they can call you and you will be there for them. So um, your presence, your prayers and your presence um, and your attention. Um, I think those are, are the best ways that someone can compassionately care for someone who's suffering through a divorce. Yeah, I love it. It's so beautiful just recognizing, yeah, th- this is a human being and someone you love who's going through something and you don't have to have the answers. They just want someone to be there with them so that they know they're not alone because that's such an isolating event um, and they can feel so rejected. And so just to know that, yeah, you're here and that you want to listen to them is such a powerful gift to give to someone. Mm-hmm. Yes. Lisa, one of the last questions that I ask women who come on the show uh, to round it out has to do on, on the Feminine Genius, the podcast that explores the Feminine Genius, what it means to live out life as a Catholic woman. So for you, with your story, how do you live out the Feminine Genius in your daily life as a Catholic woman who has been through the annulment process? You know, um, I think that in my estimation, I, I know that there have been so many books and, and um beautiful sermons and and things uh, that talk about the feminine genius that I would never be able to compare to. But in my own life and my own understanding, how that plays out is just recognizing the gifts that God has given me and understanding that these are gifts he wants me to use. Um, I have um, a lot of very hard-earned wisdom Mm-hmm. I, my my divorce was very bitter. Um, I and I the learning lessons from making the mistakes afterwards were very bitter. Um, and then really trying to struggle through to embrace my faith and to learn how to heal um, without a whole lot of guidance. It's it's all tough tough lessons. So I I feel that I have hard earned wisdom, and it's not wisdom that God wants me to keep to myself. Right. Um, he wants me to go out there and share, uh, mostly to reach out to people so he can start working 
in their lives. You know, mm-hmm. um, I just want to be the hands, his hands and his feet to reach people. So, you know, he can take it from there. Um, but that's what it means to me. That's how it plays out in my life. And really just doing my best as I raise my children to give them as good of a model of marriage as I can. Um, and to help them grow into healthy people that will also have healthy marriages. Um, if that's what God is calling them to. So that's what it means to me. That's what I do. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard. I, I do have to admit it's hard to keep such a painful event in my life in front of me yeah. um, and, and sort of fresh in my mind. But I, I just do it because I, I love God and what he has done for me, and I want other people to know that. I, I want other people to know that he is there for them, that he still has great things in store for them despite what's happened. And let's start moving out of this terrible place into a better place so you can experience what God has in store for you. Beautiful. Lisa, I love how generous you are with your story. Holy smokes to be able to to process that on your own, but also to lead others to Jesus. If listeners are listening and they want to find you online, they want to read through the books, you, you the newest one that you've just written is Mending the Heart, a Catholic annulment companion. Um, you've also authored some other beautiful books on the subject of divorce and relationships. Where can they find you online? Well, my website is lisaduffy.com. Pretty simple. Um, <laughs> the uh, new book um, Mending the Heart is available at our Sunday visitor, osv.com. Beautiful. Thanks for your time today. Thanks for your authenticity. Just how vulnerable you are with sharing your story. Yeah, and just absolute generosity. And thank you for the ministry that you do in the divorce and, and annulment community. And yeah, thanks for your time today and for coming on the show. Well, thank you for the opportunity to speak. I greatly appreciate it. And I will be praying for the continued success of your podcast and all you do. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Head over to oldfashionedgirlblog.com for the show notes where you'll find a link to Lisa's book, Mending the Heart, a Catholic Annulment Companion, which is something that we talked about a lot in today's episode, as well as all the resources that we mentioned in the podcast episode today. Today, I wanted to give a shout out to Emily, who's a Patreon member who recently joined the Patreon team. She has been a huge source of support in this podcast and over on my blog, and she is a very dear friend here in the Kansas City area. If you want to learn more about joining my Patreon team, head over to patreon.com slash letters to women. If you have a few seconds, please rate and review. The podcast on iTunes means the world to me. And that is all I have for today. So until next time, be not afraid. Bye.